0: The Y curve with Phil Dobby and Roger Hearing.
1: Whatever happened to the future. Millennials were supposed to be the luckiest generation, healthier,
0: fitter, better educated than any before. But instead, they can't buy a house, they're squeezed on rent and shopping bills, and they're more miserable. Plus, we're handing them a planet horribly damaged by climate change. While well, triple lock pensions and high-value housing means the older generations are mostly comfortable and using up the kids' inheritance. So how did it get? So unequal between generations. And what can be done to fix it? The Y Curve. You know, there's two arguments on this, isn't there? There's only there, two? Well, there's many, It's many, many arguments. Mm. But the, the two key ones, yes. it boils down to yes. uh, young people saying, well, you know, we're burdened with all the debt and all those people who had yep. it so easy before us and we've yes. got it tough. Yes. Uh, and I remember my dad saying, you know, his generation had yeah, it a lot easier generation. than us." Yes. Yeah, it's, it, it seems to have had it easier than the next yes. generation. And then there's the other argument that says, well, you know, if they only just worked a bit harder and showed a bit of dedication, and yeah, they'd get on. toast. Yeah, exactly. That's, it would all be fine. These yeah. snowflakes, they don't know they've got it made. They yeah. I think a bit of, I, I think I'm prepared mm. to accept that there might be a bit of
1: both. well I don't I I, I think actually the, the people people don't change that much. I think they are in a much much worse position just as far as mm. the opportunities that they've got and how much they have to pay for them. But also, it's a huge wealth thing because you know at one end there are people who are doing very nicely, thank you, whose parents are paying for everything, or whatever, and they're getting into the right jobs, so
0: they've got the right yeah, connection. And then there's those who don't, and those who don't. And that, that was always the case. And I don't get the economics of it. So the idea mm. that we'll say, well, okay, if you, you're going to go to gonna, gonna go to university, it's great for mm. the university sector. I mean, yeah. the university has done very well out of the idea mm. that everyone's paying because there's many. many. more people going to university now, and they can charge more for the courses, and we're seeing, you know, more money going into that sector. So great for the sector, not necessarily very good for those people. Yeah. Uh, And so – but – but also the fact that you are then riddled with a uh, the huge debt, debt fairly, and yeah. that huge debt is money that you are pulling out of the economy because yeah. you're repaying debt rather than spending it in the economy. So yeah. how do you get economic growth if no one's got any bloody money to spend? Well, okay. <laughs> the pensioners have plenty of money. Okay, that's not thing. what we're talking about. But we're talking you, about
1: well, no, yeah. that is the point because it's the mm. balance between the two. Yeah. that's the problem. Not that everyone's poor. It's, it's but the does balance. It have to two? be that.
0: I mean, can't the can't the can't the old people uh, sort of like you know live a comfortable existence and have enough money to be able to support the? Well, Well, that would be nice,
1: wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Is it possible? Tell question of money. Let's pick that question up with someone who knows, who's Liz Emerson, CEO and co-founder of the Intergenerational Foundation, which is an independent charity promoting intergenerational fairness. And Liz joins us now.
0: So, Liz, I guess, I mean, the obvious place to start is because it always comes up with young people, house prices, just the fact that the, the house price to earning ratio, I'm looking at figures from Nationwide, they're saying it was three in 1995, so a house would cost three times your earning. Now it's seven times. I mean, and, you know, it seems like it's just become an impossibility, particularly if you're on your own, to be able to get a house.
2: Absolutely, and that's seven times outside London. If you're inside London, it's something like thirteen to fifteen times. Yeah. I mean, the point the point is, and this is where kind of intergenerational fairness and and ageist policy comes in. Quite frankly, is that um, parents and grandparents are only just beginning to get just how bad their children's and grandchildren's futures are going to be. And the main reason for that is the inability to be able to afford a roof over their heads. And for too long, young people have been derided for being the latte generation, for not being thick-skinned enough, for not working hard enough, for not being able to save enough, for frittering their money away. Spending
1: when, it all on avocado toast, spending, I think, was exactly, one Exactly, spending
2: said. it all on avocado toast. And the reality is that the average young person is having to put aside more than two-thirds of their weekly expenditure just on rent. They can't even afford their, their auto-enrollment contributions. I mean, they're in negative savings most mm. of the time because of the cost of living crisis. And there is this kind, of, there's this kind of generational morality coming down the generations to young people, basically saying, well, you're not working hard enough. If you work." as hard as our generation. You'd be able to do all the things that we can do. And this is where we need to go back to to thinking about generational analysis and go back to population pyramids and explain why we've got into this sorry mess. Well,
1: well why have we got into it? Because, you know, I, I mean, we've been talking about this for a long time. I was just looking it up, the famous book by lord willet 's The Pinch, about fifteen yep. years ago that came out you know how they how yep. this generation oh, the, the boomers basically stole the millennials uh, funds effectively and living off them and, and it 's all very unfair, but nothing yep. much seems to have been done, but was it only at that point that anyone became aware of
2: this that 's really interesting isn 't it i mean let 's just can we just see a little bit i mean the, the thing is the big thing that Willet says in his book that basically larger cohorts of people that are born at the same time, as they move through a welfare state, they take the spending with them. And this is why, this is what's happened with the boomer generation who, you know, that we say were born between 45 and 65. Now if we go back and we think about how they've moved through life, they had to expand maternity services for them. They had to expand um, primary education for them. They had to expand secondary education for them. Housing had to be built for them. And they've gone through life being a much bigger cohort than other cohorts, such as Generation X, which is me, I hasten to add. I'm a little, I'm a little generation that's come behind them. Um, and, and so there are expectations of entitlements within a welfare state system that has this kind of universal safety net. Now, over time, that safety net has had to change because of. Um, a multitude of reasons, which has meant that as our country has got poorer, um the, the 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 welfare state has pretty much retreated from anybody under the age of fifty-five, everybody's means tested, whether it's housing benefits, whether it's student loan maintenance grants, um, even child benefit. Mm. Um, you know, but- and and it I- is.
0: It's increasingly becoming a pay, you know, user pays type scenario, which which defeats the purpose of the government yeah. stepping in, doesn't it? But, yeah. it? but is it is it? I mean, by, by the way, just to, you know, so we're all clear on this. I'm I'm a boomer, so is Roger, but yes. I'm, but I'm only by a year. I snuck in. I just <laughs> I was one of the la- one of the last of the boomers. He's a very young boomer. <laughs> He's a young <laughs> boomer. Okay, but, uh, but all, right. all this Thank all the all that
2: both
0: of you. I well, you know, I like to be upfront, but yeah, all the really. stuff that you're 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 saying about you know all of this provision that had to happen. To, yeah. to satisfy the needs of this generation. Yeah. I mean, those extra houses, that education, yeah. et cetera, that could all still be there for the next generation, particularly if there was a, a smaller proportion of people in that generation well, within that age thing. group. Absolutely. But, but it doesn't, it's, the point of my question is, isn't it actually really a political decision that, no, we are going to go down a, this more the user pays type road rather than, you know, what, what had been a more mixed economy type approach that we grew up with?
2: Yes, to some degree. But the other elephant in the room here... Um, is and this is where this is where it's this is where it gets very tricky is the welcome but rapid aging of our population so so where in the past we had a population pyramid where we had lots of younger workers and and a few older people that needs to be supported hence you know through our state pension system um that population pyramid has kind of been turned on its head so we've got Far larger numbers of people who are going to be living longer. Great news. But the average, and here it all gets a bit depressing, the average over 65-year-old is going to be living with two or more chronic chronic illnesses. The NHS is going to need to spend more. Social care systems are going to need to spend more. Where does that money come from? Mm -hmm. Now, at the moment, that 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 increasing tax space is falling on younger working age people mm. rather than falling more equitably across all generations, irrespective of age. Does that make but sense? But they are
1: the ones who are earning. They're the ones, you know, we you know we would say people of Greek retirement age yeah. they may have a pension, but they're not uh, generating income. So their capacity to pay for what they need is, is pretty limited.
2: Uh, hang on a moment Um, how many people over 65 have we got in this country we've got about 11 million uh, about 11 million 12 million How much wealth does that population own? Something like 2.5 trillion out of the overall housing wealth of 2.7 trillion. They've also got the last remaining final salary pensions. And if research back in 2023 found that one in four over 65s are living in a household which is worth one million quid. So mm. that that idea of all people over a certain age are poor is no, no longer holds true. We know that pensioner poverty has fallen from 30%. It fell down to around 15%. It's creeping up at the moment. But actually, it's children and young people who are the new poor in this country. And our welfare system hasn't caught up with it, nor has our politics, I hasten to add.
0: So it's a question of timing, isn't it? Uh, Because, I mean, when I die, because I don't know how my kids are going to manage or how I'm going to manage helping them through university either is another point, but when I die... Uh, which might not come soon enough, as far as they're concerned, they'll they'll inherit a house. Ha- yeah, we'll, we'll, my wife will probably get it first, but when we're both gone, they'll inherit a house. They'll probably inherit quite a bit from my brother as well. He's not not married, so down the track, they're doing all right. But they but they will have established themselves in their career. They're not getting it now, which is when they need it. So it's a it's a t- it's not the cash isn't there. It's the timing, isn't it?
2: Well, well, if I mean you're talking about the bank of mum and dad, and for those people that are lucky enough to get an inheritance, actually the average age of receiving an inheritance in this country is now in your late 60s <laughs> <laughs> yes it's, not, it's a
1: know, bit late young
2: people, yeah. young people that and that's because of welcome increasing longevity you know it's great news yeah. that people are living longer but the wealth distribution flows that used to happen more 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 more, more frequently i.e., earlier on in life They are not happening anymore. And so one of the things that that IF has been calling for and other organizations have been calling for is means to help people to release their wealth during their lifetime as well as after they die. The problem with that is it's going to exacerbate intragenerational unfairness, i.e. inequality, within younger generations to come.
1: Well, I was going to mention that because it seemed, you know, it's regressive in a way because, yes, there is a lot of wealth tied up in in, in the elderly, but not universally. And, you know, you'll be having what you will mean is people who come from a poorer background. And if you look to that generation, the boomer generation, one of the big things there was people bettering themselves, coming from poor backgrounds, but ending up educated and in middle class professions and now you have a situation in which the people who come from a poorer background have absolutely no chance of getting out of that, uh, because they because they don't have
0: the bank of mum and dad. Mum and dad don't have a bank. Well, two words: wealth tax or land tax. If you're if you're old and you hold a lot of assets, then pay more tax. If that if that means that you might have to sell the house, maybe you know there has to be a way of adjusting for that. But if you are if you've built up a great deal of wealth and it's just going to get passed on too late. You know, when your kids are sixty-five, uh, and your kids might not need it, there's got to be a way of taxing older people, surely, in, in a way that's not going to hit income, but it's going to it's going to be based on the wealth they've accumulated.
2: Absolutely, and and you know, we just launched a report um, calling for a wealth tax, and I think our statistics are that a one it would only affect one percent of the population on wealth over two million quid, whether that was housing or pension wealth but it could raise um i mean our estimates are really conservative and they were done before the pandemic because of the way that the wealth and asset survey runs um but the estimates run from around 18 billion a year to around 23 24 billion a year however if you also taxed unearned income um from shares um uh, mm. in the same way as you taxed earned income um that could raise something like 30 billion i mean yeah. there are ways now now the- and we used
0: to, and that used to be the case in fact i think that was the case under margaret thatcher wasn't it that you know that, that who's hardly a, a lefty that you paid the same amount whether it was uh wealth or earned income it was yeah,
2: uh, yeah but we're it, not it, we're not Absolutely. But we're not saying that all young people are going to run off with this money. What we're saying is within an ageing population where, of course, you want to look after the elderly in society, where there is a cost attached to that, surely try the intergenerational solidarity has to go down the generations as well as up the generations. And therefore, we're asking older, wealthier people to contribute a little more to their own social care needs and the cost of their national health services rather and their pension promises rather than constantly passing the bill down to younger generations
1: to pay this isn't going to happen though because politically one of the big problems i think certainly by my reading in terms of the intergenerational problem is that old people vote and old people are turnout for doing these things and in our democracy that gives them power that's why we have the triple lock pension because the government, and this is true of Labour governments as well as Conservatives, know that that is where they will actually get political power from, and they are not going to turn around and, and, and penalise that section.
2: You're absolutely right. I mean, yes, all people do vote, but the, and obviously... All- People seem to be voting for themselves and not in the interests of their children and grandchildren, which we think is obviously unfortunate.
0: Like
2: Brexit, for example. <laughs> where, Absolutely. Where, was it, something Absolutely. like
0: 75% of young people were for Remain. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Um, actually, mm. but you know what? The highest indicator for Brexit was actually education level. Yeah. It didn't matter mm. where you came from, but it was your level of education, whether you voted to Remain or not. But let's go back to the grey vote. The grey vote. Saying- She's saying Brexit voters are
0: stupid. Yes. Well, no, 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 no. Let's just not <laughs> go there. Please, <laughs> no, no, God, let's now, go now, there.
2: Now, <laughs> I, as 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 a parent of two young adults, I I I am mourning the fact that they are unable mm. to work in other countries and have the freedom of a tragedy of that I had when I was younger. Yeah. So, I yeah. think there is an intergenerational, um, there is an. Yeah. Inter- Generation on fairness there. But can we go back to the grey vote? Because yeah. do remember when you're speaking to people in their 20s or their 30s, they got absolutely stuffed over tuition fees. And let's go back to David Willett, shall we? Who wrote the pinch? Who said, oh, dear, you know, we're all doing wrong for young people. What did David do under his watch, you two?
1: Well, he was university's minister, wasn't
2: he? And what did he do when he was university's minister?
1: raised the price of getting a degree? He tripled
2: tuition fees. He mm. he tried to create this ridiculous market of higher education where all the universities and higher education institutions were all going to compete against each other and the money was going to follow the student. I'm sorry none of that has happened he got a bloody nose when every nearly every institution immediately rushed towards 9000 pounds a year tuition fees then those universities have gone on a massive spending spree we have vice chancellors paying themselves 600 700 thousand in remuneration a year through pay perks. We've got Louise Richardson, the former university's um, chancellor of Oxford University, telling us, making us try to believe that university chancellors were like the International Football League. And somebody needed <laughs> to say to hang on, hang on, you're supposed to be charities. Have you forgotten this? You know, you're not businesses, whether you like it or not. Meantime, the victims are the students that are leaving university with £50,000 or more in debt, who were promised to grant Graduate premium, which has largely been eroded for most, yeah. and one in five recent graduates are in non-graduate jobs. Sorry, so, but- the t-
0: so there is two things. No, that's you go I for get it. Like, really lo- loving, angry. loving the passion. I get really yeah. angry about <laughs> this. Yeah, I, I mean, you are sounding a little bit ambivalent about it, but, uh, <laughs> but we, can, we get we get the general di- direction. Yeah. But I mean, there is two things on that. On the first of all, yes, there is the fact that they're going to university and they're being uh, landed with this debt, which, as you say, is probably not going to pay back for them because they're not going to see it in terms of higher wages. Which then raises the question. And why did you go to university in the, in the first place uh because you know the, the, those uh those boomers didn't by and large, so there were in 1950. For example, there were 17,300 students taking their first degree, and yeah. another 2,400 getting postgraduate qualifications. Very few people went to university. Yeah. Now we've got almost three million people in higher education. So there's yeah. so so maybe a million doing one, yeah. one year doing doing a degree, yeah. and you know they're doing. So you can do surf science at the University of Plymouth, which I'm yeah. sure they make a, a lot of money out of. I'm sure there are people who won't make a great deal yeah. out of that degree at the at the end of it but it's 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 been marketed at them, so the whole system has is, is broken on in the, in that way in that it's it's not serving the student and uh, and, and too you know and, and too many people are going to university when they don't need to.
2: But it's even worse than that. Did you know that the top 10 wealthiest students that go on to higher education in the UK aren't even in the student loan system? And the reason mm-hmm. they're not in the student loan system is because they pay upfront. Mummy, daddy pays their living costs. And so they escape that 9% graduate tax in orbit name that they will be paying back over a threshold for the next 30 or 40 years. Now, there is a really uncomfortable conversation that we need to have in this country, which is it is the poorest students who will be paying back the most for the longest period of time. Mm -hmm. And is a higher education... um, uh, Is a higher education... Um, what we should be sending all students into. And I'm often asked this question. And of course, what we need is we need a rounded higher education system that means that that brings us the future musicians and artists and authors and the creative industries that also really contribute to our yeah. contribution. GDP. Thank you very much. Not everybody has to be bloody STEM. Well, even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't contribute to, to GDP, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Even if it doesn't contribute to GDP,
0: it it adds to the wealth of the country, whether it's yeah, a, a monetary yeah, and, wealth uh, or not. And yeah. also, there are things worth doing
1: for their own right, not necessarily where they actually are, just purely based on what was your on Roger? Oh gosh, classics and history.
2: There oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, we fully believe in education should be a, p- a public good. We actually think that the current system is broken. And we do think that, ed- that higher education should should be fully funded and we should be investing in the educations of younger and future generations, especially as we are moving on to new systems, the um, the imposition of AI and, of course, globalization. However, mm-hmm. there should have been and 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 I do not understand why there cannot be a separate, highly respected Gold plate apprenticeship system. Yeah, well, this has been Young talked
1: so,
0: about a lot. So okay. that, I'm glad you went there before I asked you the question about it because yeah. I was exactly where I was gonna, it was going to take us. So you can get apprenticeships, of well, course, you and I mean, if I, if, but yes. If I, if I wanted to take on, we're on a, a small business of one person, and if I thought, well, okay, I want to take on an apprentice to, to show them the art of podcast making, yeah. you know, that by introducing last them to me. But that's another uh, story. Uh, and uh, I could, I could get a grant from the government. I could get eleven thousand four. I looked it up. I could get eleven thousand four hundred pounds from mm. the government to take an apprentice to go to a registered training provider, who yeah. would get that eleven thousand four hundred to teach them about the business that I could teach them about while working on the job but instead i have to get a third party trainer mm. to take yeah. that money so that that just seems a bit cocky to me what about the idea that you know if you don't go to university you get a job and as an apprentice the government provides the support the the you get on the job training and you know for a year's commitment i mean does that I, sort of things st- happen I,
2: mean, I, I i listen i'm not i'm not an expert in this area but, um mm. so i can't really comment um in depth um on that but but the, but but the, but the that the uncomfortable truth is that wealthier, better educated, in apostrophes, yeah. um, middle-class kids will keep going on to university um, yeah. until the system changes. Now, here's a really interesting thing. Within accountancy, I think in banking and in a few other sectors, the middle classes have tweaked. And they are sending their kids to do degree apprentice, apprenticeships mm. within all of these companies. So I think I think times are changing. But yeah, there's
1: but, a parity of esteem issue which is beginning to change. That you know, yeah. an apprenticeship is not seen as a necessarily a, a social downgrade.
0: And if, and if if there's this focus now, which there seems to be on more vocational degrees, then that is actually taking the responsibility away from the employer. And, and and making the, the government or the individual pay for it so there yeah. used to be so i, I remember the, the old days of the milk grounds do you remember the milk grounds oh, at university i do I, yeah. I wonder whether that was still a thing so i typed in milk rounds and milk grounds jobs and all i could find was a job on a milk as, as doing a milk <laughs> round so obviously it's I not know. a thing that goes but on do you know what that
2: says do you know what that says more than anything else Says the it, internet wasn't around. Uh, in no, days. it says it says more about your age than anything else. Yeah, I know <laughs> it does. Yeah, but it's it not all as old as Roger because I am
0: just just in the baby is <laughs> In case yeah. of, I didn't yeah. mention that before, but I remember one of the uh, one of the standout ones was Mars. Everyone wanted to get on the Mars management training program mm-hmm. uh, yes. because you because they, they would move you around to different boy. You get to get to eat chocolate, but also uh, they took you on. You had to get a good degree, and they tend uh, they, they take you from one part of the business to another, and then you find out what you know where your strengths lie. I and then mean, you probably work for Mars. The idea, I guess, in those mm. days was that you'd work there for the life. life So I looked it up. It's still around, the Mars Leadership Programme. You do uh, you do mm. three different 12-month placements. You get paid £33,000 a year starting so, mm. which isn't bad, is it? If more companies operated like that and said, well, actually, we'll, we'll invest in the youth. We won't just take people for a year uh, and, you know. We'll and, actually and take them on. We'll them? take them on and we'll, we'll let them but grow with the company. Would they do that? That's the question. Well, that's It's got to work both ways, hasn't it?
2: Well, and 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 then we've got another issue, haven't we? We've got a we've got an issue about the labour market and who has access to to the labour market and what benefits and protections do they have within that labour market, and of course. Um, we what the boomers haven't had to deal with, but what younger generations have had to deal with, is the rise of the gig economy, and this the zero hours contract, which which is where you know you could argue that the power has has moved too far in the direction of employers. Um, and and power has been removed from younger workers to some degree so you could have a younger worker on a contract sitting next door to um a co- older colleague who has full full-time protections ill health pension contributions but that younger worker hasn't got any of those rights so hmm. if they fall ill you know they are losing income so so it's a much so I I suppose I I kind of want listening of this podcast, to to understand just how 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 the cards are stacked against young people. Mm, yeah. well, I think a lot of people understand.
0: Lo- a lot of people do understand that, I and mean, then if you do the sums, if you try and put yourself in the position. Again, I did. I thought, well, okay, I've got my first job out of university or a couple of years down the track, perhaps. Actually, in a few years, because I worked on a £45,000, which for most kids would be, uh, you know, starting out would be a great deal. I thought, okay, I'm going to get a one bedroom flat in Holborn. What can I get that's halfway (laughs) decent? (laughs) £2,800 per month. I thought, okay, £45,000 after tax, that's £35,000. I'd have to pay back £4,000 of that on my student loan, so that leaves £31,000. That's £2,500 per month, so I'm paying £2,800. so I've got £300 left to spend for Plenty. nights out. More Plenty. than enough for anyone. I, I mean, I, you know, I mean, you do the sums like that, and that, that's, on a, that's on a good salary. It just doesn't work. You'd, well, have, you'd have to find a girlfriend who's quite well paid to share that rent yes, with who you. Who has a rich mum and dad, possibly, yeah, even. who doesn't ah, mind but, the fact there's only one bedroom in the flat. The, the
1: thing with all this, Liz, is, you know, we were all singing the same tune. We all think that this situation is wrong. And you, as a group, your, your, your organisation and others, have put out these pleas for changes, whether it's to the tax system or the education system, Are you getting any traction? And particularly I'm thinking, you know, we're all assuming potentially a Labour government will be in place perhaps by the beginning of next year. Mm. Are you getting any traction on this? Because we go back to that problem of the vote, the vote being with the elderly. And Labour has been very keen not to make huge promises, of course, in in these sort of areas. But are you, when you go and talk to these politicians, do you get any traction on any of this stuff you're saying?
2: Well, isn't it interesting? Behind closed doors every politician that we have spoken to from whatever whatever end of the political spectrum wrings their hands with us and goes, I know Liz, it's terrible, it's terribly what we're handing on to younger and future generations. But but tell me Liz, how am I going to sell that on the doorstep? And they hide behind this idea that that the voters are the the people that, that they answer to. Um, And so it's, you know, we're in a situation where we need the voters of whatever age to be voting for the long term and not in their self-interest. So, I know you want me to go on about the politicians, but the voters also, we all have a responsibility ourselves, if we care about the future and the future of our kids, to vote for those policies that may well not enrich us as much as we would like, but actually help to make the country more stable, more environmentally friendly, reduce um, uh, 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 carbon dioxide, increase jobs, increase housing for younger and future generations. I know I'm avoiding um, why aren't young people voting. And I think, and and we have to go back to the way that the Lib Dems let people, let young people down in 2010. And I... Don't think they've ever recovered.
1: This was on tuition fees, where they they on changed the tack because of the yeah. being part of the
0: coalition. Yeah. So there's there's two issues on there. There's the one issue about you know how much you know those there's nasty uh, generations that have gone before. How much they you know how much debt they've uh, yeah. they've laden us with, which we'll look at in a second. The other one is uh, you know just how do you get a job and get a get a start in life and and university might not be the answer for lots of people. And I talked about you know examples like Mars and yeah. you know if if every if I mean all you two. You could pass. One is to say, "Well, okay, we're going to abolish zero-hour the, our contracts; they're, they're, they're illegal from now on." And the other, the other one, would be to say. And uh, if any company of a certain size, you have to provide on the job training for a certain percentage, you know, of the size of your of your workforce, so that all of these uh, sort of apprenticeships mm. open up for people, and so they start to go. Well, actually, that sounds like a better deal than going off to university because it looks like there's a more of an opportunity. So some of that gets thrown back to to, to companies. That seems like a, a sensible approach. Just a couple of regulations that most people are suspect. I can't in this see
1: that appearing in the Labour manifesto.
2: But why not? <laughs> Well, Well, Liz, what do they say? I think you should both come and work for us because I think those are are great policies. I mean, the point is what we have to call on politicians. It's all very. So what politicians do is they immediately blame the victim and they turn around and go, well, young people don't vote. So we've got to offer everything to old people. And so Mm. we need to turn it on its head and go, but what are you offering young people? They're not Mm -hmm. going to vote for you unless you offer them something. So what are you offering them? And yeah. that is that is going to be our strategy as we move into the next um, if, as we move towards the general election, which, you know, is whenever it turns out mm. this year. Um, and and we would urge anybody listening to ask exactly that question of any politician of any political party that turns up at their doorstep saying, how are you going to help our kids? Why are you, why have the Lib Dems decided to become a NIMBY political party in this general election? If you look at all of their social media, um, they are basically trying to say, oh, we're going to, we're going to side with old people that don't want new housing.
0: So um, just going to, to taking the stance the more traditional stance of a baby boomer yeah uh, that you know young people have had it too easy yeah. i was sitting having coffee the other day uh, with uh, avocado and toast actually funny enough Excellent. <laughs> uh, and uh, but we're able to because we're older so we you know we're yeah. entitled to it we're entitled yeah. to avocado. you're turning <laughs> into a snowflake <laughs> <laughs> and um, i was with some uh, you know some people just outside that baby boomer age yeah. they were younger yeah. and th- they were working with young people in their businesses and they're saying do you know what They just will turn around and say, "No, I'm not going to do that." So, you know, when we were their age, we did whatever we did to get ahead. So, the attitude seems to be for a lot of people now: it's just no, I'm not going to do that. It's beneath me, and that Mm. seems to be, uh, you know, common in a lot of uh, occupations these days. So, it's something about I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm just saying what I'm. I'm not. I'm not (laughs) exposed to myself. I'm just saying what I'm hearing.
2: Okay. Well, international studies, um, surveys of of early early career entrance um, surveys suggest that those younger, younger workers um, have, have are putting their ethics before remuneration. Yeah. Mm. Um, And they are, they have they are expecting far higher working conditions. And of course, you know, again, this is the middle classes. This is the lucky few. Mm. They they are expecting um, better working conditions. They are expecting their employers to support their wish to volunteer in the wider community. They want to have more purpose in their working lives. And I think that is something to be celebrated. Um, You know, I'm Generation X. I graduated into um, full on late 80s recession. Um, I took the first job I could get. I worked all hours. I had no life. Do I want that for my children and my grandchildren? No. Um, If we can improve the working conditions whilst obviously helping commercial organizations to thrive, then isn't that a win win for everybody?
0: Well, well it, it is, it is. is, but I think this is more a case of uh, uh, I, uh, I'm happy making the coffee, but I'm not going to clean the tables. Sort of
1: I think, no, you're wrong. It's, it's much more, it is that. Climate quitting, for example, I, we, mm. we, I've done some research on that, where people say, look, you know, I've been working for an oil company, but actually I don't want to. Big salary, well, but mm. I'm not going to because of ethics. And I think I there's much more than just, you know, laziness, which I think will feel slightly uh, characterizing it In, as, in a word. Well, yeah. it is, but there's also a feeling that they, you know, they have things like their mental health to, to think about
0: in a way that we probably didn't. But I just, yeah, okay, and we'll move off this, but I'm just thinking about mm. what I went through when I was a kid. So I was university in the second year. I lived in the most horrendous accommodation mm. with water that came down the mm. one of the walls in my tough. bed. I had it tough, and it was up north, because you know, so of course. But, <laughs> um, you know, but I put part up with it because it was all just part, you know, all my dad would say, mm. you know, say, ah, oh, it's good for the soul, lad, you yes, know. Suffering just, is good uh, for the soul. Well,
1: <laughs> but, but listen, there's I we've got to draw this a bit to a conclusion but to say what you've been saying is that there are the things that need to be done and you we're pretty much in consensus on that and then saying, well, you know, we've got to find a mechanism within a political process to get these done mm. yeah. by appealing to people to say, you, you know, there's unfairness here and to get the young people to do it and to get the politicians yeah. to appeal to the young people. Do you actually have much hope that any of this will change? Because you were reflecting on that fact that, that that book written by Lord Willits, who, as you say, slightly compromised... Um, But it was 15 years ago and you would really struggle to see much change. Also,
2: David's solutions are just within David's solutions sit within a a chummy idea that wealth is just going to pass down within families without kind of any conception of the fact that there might be poor families out there, David, you know, that aren't going to get that Mm. wealth. So there's got to be structural reform in place and one and a really easy way to do that. So, for example, all of this talk about the triple lock on the state pension, the triple lock on the state pension is going to increase by 20 percent over the last two years alone. It's going to increase by 10.1 percent last year. And I think it was 8.5. Oh, no, sorry, two. Yes, anyway, 10.1%. That's a lot of money. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of money. The point is working age benefits have only mm. gone up by around 6 or 7%. Meanwhile, mm. student maintenance loans mm. that mm. poorest students rely on for to be able to work, uh, to, to be able to support themselves, have only gone up by 2.8%. Yeah. So what we need are intergenerational impact assessments to sit. I know it's all sounding a bit wonky, and I apologise. Well... But to sit alongside all the other equality impact assessments. And that immediately removes the toxicity of these ridiculous political parties. I mean, Labour's come out, maybe it's, it's expected to come out imminently and say that they're going to support the triple lock once again and turbocharge something that is having a huge cost to younger and future generations because it's obviously a Ponzi scheme. Um, Whereas if you remove that toxicity from the process, so every political, um, uh, uh, every politician can say, yes, we'd love to help you with that. But we've run it through this assessment tool and we know it wouldn't be fair to X, Y and Z. So. There are means of doing it. We can widen the tax space if we so wish to better fund our public services. We're all for widening that tax space, but that also has to be done equitably. We can build houses of all tenures of all types in every location um, uh, as well, but we also need older people to understand if If they're going to escape to the country, don't expect all the health and social care services to be able to go with you. I mean... Mm. You
0: know, people mm. make yeah, yeah, absolutely, hey, I'm completely hearing you. And look, you know, uh, from an economics point of view, if you were to say, "Well, okay, everybody should start with the same position in life,"
2: yeah, wouldn't that? Uh, you, you'd,
0: you'd have a hundred percent inheritance tax, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd be saying well, you can pass on nothing from your generation; yeah. it's all going to be distributed yeah. to the younger generation. Yeah. But also, the whole thing about carrying uh, carrying debt and having that passed on, so future generations are yeah. burdened with that. I think I'm not a, I'm not a total proponent of modern monetary theory, but the the one idea of modern monetary theory is that forget about the money Look at the resources. What is needed now to deliver yeah. what, is, what is wanted now? Yeah. Uh, you know, How many people have you got? How much do you need to extract from the, from the earth? Yeah. Look at that as a present-day situation. Yeah. And, it, and, and don't worry about the debt because that's just, that's just money. It's resources that are the issue. And you know, I don't know mm-hmm. what the answer is, but there's something about the fact that we are artificially saying money from a previous generation is being paid for by the next generation for resources that were used back then. And we well, don't it, care about back then. We're thinking about
2: so you, now. So, so you've got to look at the private finance initiatives. Um, mm. that, uh I think when we last looked at I think uh, um, David Parker, Professor David Parker, uh, official government historian to private, mm. uh, private finance initiatives, I think he quantified about 700 PFIs that were... Um, that were established in the 90s and 2000s, and of course, you know, it's all great um, uh, uh, using PFI to build the hospitals that were needed back then. But they're already crumbling. Yeah, yeah. And you've got headmasters PFI. now saying they're
1: being forced to pay for for mowing a lawn uh, at the school by the teal of their contract Absolutely. rather than spending it on classrooms. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So, so we need to be really careful about you know um, the financial tools that we use in um, mm. for investment. Um, but that doesn't mean to say that, that we shouldn't be investing in a green transition and creating those green jobs that are going to be um, the ones that our children and grandchildren are going to want to work in. Mm. Um, so I'm kind, I kind of sit between two stores on that. What we need to do is we need to fund our pension schemes properly. Um, you know, there are too many unfunded public sector uh, pension schemes that are uh, the cost of which it's all very well promising you know um uh, 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 uh very high pensions today but the contribution rates haven't been enough for what people are still taking out of the system so there needs to be reform there and this all comes back to having a long-term view on policy.
0: Ah, that's it. A strategy is what you're talking about, Liz. That's what, that's uh, that's what we need. Let's get one of those on. It would be good to yeah. hear them but I,
1: I think we're not <laughs> going to see a lot of that in the next few months coming up to elections, alas. No. But anyway, Liz... touched
0: the surface. Good to talk, Liz.
1: Liz, thanks so much for, for, for taking us through that, and we will see which of your ideas, if any, do get picked up uh, okay. in the
0: campaigns. But thank you. Thank you very much indeed. One thing will be certain is and yes. none of this is going to be answered in next week's but the what is it next week or the week after? The we'll budget in two weeks time. There's a budget soon. Yeah, yeah, that's right. In a couple of weeks. But we're gonna talk about it a week out, which is next week. Yes. Are you with us? I am. Yep. <laughs> and am. so what can we expect? And is he is, is Rishi heading in the right direction? Well
1: yes, and is is spoiler is, alert, probably yeah. not. Well and is Jeremy Hunt has Jeremy Hunt got the room? Uh, which, you know, there's lots of, of doubt about this. They put their figures in front of the OBR, the, you know, mm. trying to get a sense of whether these things work. Is there room to cut taxes? Is it wise anyway? If they did, would that mean cutting services and already the, the feeling that services are cut back to the bare minimum?
0: Yeah. Um, and obviously it's it's a budget with an iron election. And it is a very strange idea that when you've got an economy that is slowing, so we've had seven mm. quarters of GDP per capita, so forget the, the headline GDP figure, the mm. fact that we've seen it go for, did down for Two for yeah. two quarters. Technical Look at recession. GDP. Yeah, technical recession. Look at it per capita. Mm. That's been da- that's been on the slide for seven quarters. So almost mm. the last two years, yeah. uh, the the wealth related to the uh, the population of the economy has been on the slide. So you know that's a recession. So the idea that you are going to uh, pull money out of a recession, pull money out of an economy when there's a recession on, seems like a very strange idea. Well, I so, they
1: say, well, you know, putting money back into the economy by not taxing people so much, therefore they will go and spend it, and therefore the economy will recover. I mean you know how the Yang argument goes. Yeah. But we're gonna explore what makes sense in all this.
0: Yeah. Next week on the Y Curve. Join us for that. Bye. The Y curve.